Which leads me to my message this morning. If you've been part of the church for any time, any amount of time, you know that I personally believe that Christmas and Easter are two very, very special times of the year. I've had pastor friends say, well, every Sunday is important. And ah, every Sunday is important, but I think Christmas and Easter are more important because if Jesus wasn't really born of a virgin and if he really isn't our Savior, the way, the Messiah, and if he didn't really die and, and was, was crucified, buried, and resurrected, then we, what we're doing really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Those are two very, very important uh, seasons of the year, seasons in the Christian year, and so we take some time to, to discuss that. It, I will take the entire month of December now as we ramp up towards Christmas, and we will be talking about Christmas, specifically about Christmas, about the Christmas season, about what that means. This morning, I want to speak about the exclusivity of Christ. Uh, how many of you know that we as a, a culture are pretty biblically illiterate, right? Pretty biblically illiterate. According to those statistics right there, 95% of all homes in America have Bibles. That is not, we don't read them at that level, I'm here to tell you. We're pretty, and, and I would I would even go a step farther and say that not only are we biblically illiterate in our culture, but I believe most Christians are pretty biblically illiterate. Most people who say, I'm a follower, I want to follow Jesus, pretty biblically illiterate. That's just the truth. Um, we simply don't know what Scripture says. And when we don't understand what Scripture says, we tend to drift. We can kind of fade off. Something else looks good. This, well, that kind of makes some sense. I could kind of believe that. We're, I don't know why we don't believe. What, what is that? And I used my own experience when I was uh, first saved. I was a young man, uh, 17 years old, 18 years old. Uh, I, between my junior and senior year, I accepted Christ. And very, very soon after that, um, my pastor had me teaching a Bible study, which was stupid. Why would you do that? A 17-year-old kid doesn't know anything, and yet you got me teaching the teens. And so the teen, I'm teaching this teen class, and I don't know what passage I was teaching out of, but a girl in the back raised her hand, and she said, excuse me, but it kind of sounds like what you're talking about is reincarnation. I said, you know, you're, you're right. It does kind of sound that way. She said, I thought we didn't believe in that. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get back to you next week on that because I didn't know. I didn't know. I was teaching, and I never should have been teaching. We are a biblically illiterate culture. And because of that, we will follow after anything. I, in the last, it, it, maybe it's because of the number of funerals that we have been doing. There uh, have been a number of funerals in the last several months. But in the last couple of months, I've had no less than three conversations with people about the exclusivity of Christ. Is Jesus really the only way? This may rankle some feathers. People sitting here may rankle some feathers, some people watching online. I want to begin with telling you that I understand that this is a completely un-American thought, or at least in our current political system. It's un-American to think of anything as exclusive, it seems like it's intolerant. How can you say there's only one way? That's not right. We've got to be tolerant of everybody, right? <laughs> See, I'm creating rankles right in the front row. How about that? We as a nation have kind of, we've, 
we believe in religious freedom. Some would say, well, you're being intolerant or bigoted to think that Jesus is the only way to God. And I say this again not to stir up controversy, but it's because I have heard so many times in the past month that we have to have religious tolerance. We have to accept everyone. Here's the problem with that. We can have religious tolerance, but each one needs to have the same value. And the difference is every religious view does not have the same value. That's the reality, okay? Um, Christianity seems to be so exclusive. Why? These are arguments that I've heard. Christianity seems to be so exclusive. Why is it that Christians think that they're the only ones that, have, that are right and that everybody else is wrong and everybody else is wrong is going to hell? You act like Christianity is some kind of an exclusive club. These are things I've been told over and over again. Again, probably because I've been preaching that at funerals. And I want to tell you that most of the conversations that I've had with people have been very sincere. Uh, probably about a month ago, I sat down with an individual, and we had a very sincere conversation about why is it you think Jesus is the only way? And here's the truth. This individual, as long as well as others, have said to me, well, aren't we, aren't we kind of all going the same place anyhow? Aren't we all kind of going the same way? Don't we just really just need love? Isn't that what's, all we need is love? La, da, 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 da. I can tell all you who are a little bit older. <clears throat> oh, we need, no, that's not really the truth. And here's the deal. Sometimes as believers, if we're not rooted and grounded, if we don't know the truth, we'll kind of walk on that fence. And I'm not really sure. Maybe all we really do need is love. Maybe it really is just about about following this is the new the new catchphrase folks the new catchphrase is well i don't go to church but i'm spiritual well so are demons i mean they're spirits right sometimes i think they do go to church maybe i'm sorry anyhow okay we we tend to want to do religion our way and we kind of want to rationalize it you know what? We want to rationalize all kinds of things. That doesn't make them right. And, and we don't, if we don't know, I had a, an old preacher buddy who used to say, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And that actually was such a good line, it turned into a country song. Well, okay, pastor, what does this have to do with Christmas? I heard a, a Baptist preacher by the name of R.C. Sproul giving his testimony a while ago. And he's gone home to be with the Lord now, but... But as a young man, his first year in college, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he was so excited that he told everybody about this newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And he, uh, he just could not resist. I mean, he, man, he told everyone. Well, during one of his classes, I believe it was a literature class, one of his professors who was admittedly opposed to Christianity actually singled him out in class. And she said to him, Mr. Sproul, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God? Now, he's, he's young. He just accepted Christ. He's, he's probably 18, 19 years old. He's just accepted Christ. And he said he was wishing that he could push this off on anybody. 
at that moment in time. Listen to what he said. He said, I knew that if I answered honestly, I was in trouble. But I also knew that if I lied, I would be guilty of betraying the one who had redeemed me. So really, there was no choice at all. And he looked at his teacher and he said, yes, ma'am. And to quote R.C. Sproul, she went off like a rocket. I cannot believe you would make such an ignorant statement. I can't believe that you would be so narrow-minded. I can't believe that you would be so conceited, so arrogant, so bigoted. Any person who makes a statement like that has got to be the most arrogant person on the planet. And she chewed him up. And R.C. Sproul said, I could still remember my face turning red as I began to slump in the seat. And he said, I couldn't even respond. To this teacher's credit, at the end of the class, she called him aside and she apologized. She said, I know who you are, I know what you believe, and I knew what you'd say. She said, I still can't believe you're so ignorant to believe that. And he had a chance to defend himself and defend his faith. One of his quotes was, and I don't care whether it's R.C. Sproul or whether it's Tim Rice or Barry Schroeder, Lonnie Prine, Linda Prine, I don't care who it is. If I was to say that I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God and he's the only way to God because I say he's the only way to God and I say he's the only way to God because that's what I believe, that would be a conceited and an arrogant thing to say, right? If I said it just because I believed it, that would be a very arrogant thing to say. But here's the truth, and this is what R.C. Sproul shared with his teacher that afternoon. Here's the truth. I'm not the one who said it. If you have a problem with it, you should probably talk to Jesus because he's the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you have a problem, you should read through the New Testament because it's the New Testament that declares. As a matter of fact, we read in the book of Hebrews, which is not on your list up there, Crystal, but in Hebrews chapter 2, We'll actually start, well, we'll see Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so we do not drift away. So we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation of disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also testified to it by signs. Not only did Jesus declare that he was the way, the truth, and the life, but God through Jesus Christ, testified by doing signs and wonders, right? He raised people from the dead. I don't know where you're at, but brother, that is a sign. Blind eyes, here, let's take care of that. Whoop, healed them. That's a wonder. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, where did that power come from? Where did that come from? Because I don't think Buddha did that. I don't think Muhammad did that. I don't think Hare Krishna did that. We don't see any record of that, but what we find is Jesus Christ create, doing these signs and wonders, and God 
through that established, testified, God testified about the supremacy of Christ. We find, as a matter of fact, in the New Testament, um, we find three times when God audibly speaks and people heard him, okay? In Mark, we find it, and in Luke, we find it. Uh, they recorded God speaking audibly from heaven, saying, this is my beloved son whom I, in whom I am well pleased. Then we find Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse uh, 16, Peter says, for we did not follow. Now, Peter is, this is after Jesus has 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 been on earth for three years. It's after he's called his disciples. It's after he's walked here for, for 33 years, but, but revealed himself as the Messiah, the Christ, the one and the only way for three years. He, he spoke and he taught and he preached and he raised people from the dead and he did all kinds of miracles and he had these followers and then years later, several of these followers gave their lives because they believed so strongly in what he did. So strongly, they saw it, they were there. They, they gave their lives, literally, listen to what Peter says. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it. We saw it. We were there. I'm not just telling you something that was really cool that somebody else said. I saw it. I was, you ever, have you ever witnessed something that's, so spectacular, so cool, that you know if, if you weren't there, you wouldn't have believed it yourself. You ever witnessed things like that? I'm not sure what my son's chuckling about, but there's a story. Yeah, we've seen things like that in our time where it's like, this is, this is so amazing. If I wasn't there, I wouldn't have believed it. That's what Peter's saying. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Peter said, we ourselves heard this voice that came out of heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. They heard that voice. They're testifying. He's testifying about that voice. He's saying he's the one. There's no mention there of any other religion. No mention there of any other way. Acts chapter 4 verse 12, the writer of Acts says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There is no other way. When R.C. Sproul shared this with his teacher, she said, I still can't believe that you would believe in a God just because he says he's the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, it's not just him. There were other people who witnessed it, who saw it, who experienced this. At one point in his conversation, R.C. said to his teacher, he said, he said, I understand you don't embrace Christianity the way I do. I understand that you don't embrace religion or the Bible the way that I do. He said, let me ask you if you could at least concede one point. Is it reasonable to think that an intelligent, respectable person may at least come to the conclusion that Christ is one way to God? Oh, absolutely, she said. I know lots of intelligent people who believe that Christ is at least one way. He's one way. 
you know, there's lots of people. So, so she can grab a hold of that. And folks, we, we see that in our culture. Well, sure, if you want your cross, if you want your church, you want to do the Jesus thing, that's fine. You can do the Jesus thing. But you can't say that there's no other way. Well, if our conversation is about God, wouldn't it be important for us to find out what God says? I mean, if our goal is God, right? If our goal at the end of this, you may be here today and go, you know, I don't have any goal. When I'm dead, I'm in the grave. I think it would do us good to read what Scripture actually says about that because that's not entirely true. That's not true at all. Um, But according to the New Testament, Jesus is the only, listen to what, the Apostle Paul writes to 1 Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, For since death came through one man, resurrection of the dead also comes through one man. Amen. For as in Adam all dies, so in Christ all will be made alive. See, Paul is very clear. We don't have a whole bunch of options. We really have one option. I'm going to explain that in just a minute. Paul also writes to the church at Rome. He says, therefore, since sin entered into the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all people because all sinned. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if many died by the trespass of one one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by that grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. What he's saying is, Adam had this one command. I've used this over and over again. I've got to get a better tree. I'm going to give you the whole garden. Don't eat from that tree. And what does he do? He eats from the tree. And when he does, sin enters into the world. And when sin enters into the world, death enters into the world. Previous to Adam, there was no death. There was not death in the world previous to Adam. You say, well, pastor, I like to believe that billions and billions of years ago. Well, I believe what Scripture would point out to us is that 6,000 years ago, roughly, there was a man who God created, and that previous to that creation, there was no such thing as death. See, I believe, again, because we've become, we've allowed ourselves to become scripturally ignorant, that we don't know the truth, and it's just too easy to follow along with what everybody says. The reality, I believe, and this, you may not like this, but I believe it's what God's word says, that God created Adam. And after Adam sinned, death came into the world through one man. And when Jesus Christ came, the, the Bible calls him the second Adam. Life came through him. Eternal life came back to the earth through him. We don't have a whole bunch of ways to get to God. For by the trespass of one man, death reigned. Through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all the people, so also the righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, Many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. Paul's not giving us an option. I believe God is not giving us an option. And I think sometimes we ask the wrong question. 
the question that we ask is, like, it wouldn't a loving God provide more ways? Wouldn't he give us more options? I mean, what about people who just don't know? And let me give you, let me just give you a, a biblical overview so I can ask the right question. Let's just say in this story of life, in this story of humanity, there was a perfect and a holy and a loving God who existed before all times. Now, maybe you don't believe that, but hypothetically, just follow along. Let's just say that there was this loving God and that he decided that he wanted to create something and in his creation he created this fantastic world, this fantastic garden where everything was lush and green and beautiful and there were flowers and there were smells and there was fruit on the trees and he created all these animals. And when he got done, he decided what he would do is he would make one more creation. Only this, this creation was going to be the top. I mean, man, he was going to put this creation together. So out of the dust of the earth, he forms this, this creature. We're going to call him man, but he, he forms this creature. And it's created in his own image. And then what he does, maybe this is just me, but I get this picture. I get this, you know, I like working in the shop. I like working in the garage. I get this picture of putting a project all together. You get it all done. You kind of sit back and you look at it and go, man, that's really cool. You know, I got the stain just right and I got everything. It's just, it's just really cool. And then God leans over his project and he breathes into him the very breath of life, and this thing comes alive. Can you imagine that picture? Can you imagine that God puts him together, and then he's like, you know what, I found, I got, I got a, a perfect match for everything except for that last creature that I made. I got to go back to the workbench. So he takes, he puts him together, puts him back in a deep sleep. And the Bible says from his side he removes, he opens up from his side and he creates another being entirely. You know, this is how Eve got her name right here. This is where, this is where God, this is where we've got man and this is, where, this is where woman comes in. She gets named right here because God wakes up Adam when it's all done and then he presents Eve and he says, what do you think? And Adam's like, whoa, man, that's where it came from. You all didn't know that. That's where it came from. Whoa, man, that's stuck. God creates Adam and Eve, and he puts them in a garden. He says, I got a plan for you. I want you to reflect my glory. I want you to have dominion over everything. Everything's going to, you're going to be in charge of everything. By the way, in the middle of the garden, I put this tree. Just stay away from that. I mean, you can go buy it, but don't, don't eat it. Don't eat from that tree, okay? Are we agreed? Because here's the deal. When you do, if you do, if you choose to eat from that, you're going to die. He has this conversation. And God turns his back for about four seconds. He's like, hey, I found a tree. And it looks good. The fruit on there really looks good. Now, God did not, didn't tell Eve not to eat from the tree. God told Adam, don't eat from the tree. And Eve went to Adam and said, I think we should eat from it. And he's like, you know, I think you're right. Oh, I always had this picture that Adam was sitting by the lake someplace, kicked back against the log, 
He had no idea, and Eve just snuck up with an apple and said, here, take this. No, 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 no. The Bible says, and he was there with her. And as soon as he ate, death came on the scene. Adam's hiding out. They look at each other and go, "Woohoo! You're naked. Well, so are you. Yeah, that'll freak anybody out, right? Right there in the middle of the garden. Woohoo! Man, what happened? So they're hiding out behind a bush. God comes along with four loneliest words in all of Scripture. Adam, where are you? Adam comes out and finally, and he said, well, he said, I was hiding because I was naked. And God says, how do you know? You see, in his disobedience, he tried to take the same position as God. He tried to become just like God. In his disobedience, now he knew what sin was. God says, let's just step back for a second. God created everything in this story of mine, right? God created everything. And in his creation of everything, he creates man. He gives him everything. And then man, in his disobedience, just flat denies God. Thumbs his nose at God. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, at that point, God already told him, if you do this, you're going to die. He had every right, right there, to completely wipe him out. Matter of fact, he'd have been justified in taking him right off the planet. He'd have been justified in eliminating humanity. And yet, what does God choose to do? God says, all right, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to cover up this sin of yours. Don't worry about the babies. I'm going to cover up this sin of yours. What I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to slay an animal so I can cover your sin. And he makes him a promise. He makes him a promise. He said, man, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a savior. I'm going to make one who eventually, as a Messiah, I need you to follow me because there's really a point here. I'm going to make a deliverer for you someday. And I want you to follow him. And he's going to pay for all of your transgressions all your sins. And Adam's like, well, that, that's cool. And he goes about like the rest of creation and he has babies and his babies have babies and babies have babies have babies. And the next thing you know, there's this whole population of humanity and they just cannot get along. They can't get along so much so that one group of humanity ends up enslaving another group of humanity. And this group that's enslaved they're called Israel. They finally call it and say, God, we need your help. We need your help. We need your help. We need your help. And God comes along and he brings him a deliverer. Oh, he brings him several deliverers. One time he brought David. One time he brought Moses. One time he brought several Gideon. He brought several people. And every time he'd set him free and he'd give him this new set of laws, if you just do this, and they're like, yeah, that's really cool. And four minutes later, They'd sin, they'd walk away, they'd break her. Man, he gives Moses ten commandments. You go up on the hill, come up on the hill, I was up on the hill. Put your face in the rock because you can't look at me. He puts his face in the rock and God takes a lightning bolt and he, and he buzzes through some granite and he writes on there. He says, here's the laws. And by the time Moses gets, by the time he gets down the hill, everybody's having a party and they've broken every rule on there. But just by the time he gets down the hill. What do you think God should do? Take that lightning bolt and redirect it. It's a good thing I wasn't God. 
start over. But no. We get to God sends prophets along and he says, okay, this is what's going to happen. And they don't like the prophets, so they kill the prophets. And finally, he's like, okay, I'm going to send my son Jesus. I'm going to send my son. And when my son arrives on the scene, I'm going to confirm that he's the one to follow by doing wonders and miracles and signs. And there's no way that they're going to be able to deny me. And what do they do? They kill him, right? They crucify him. Now, they had no idea by crucifying him that they'd be fulfilling God's plan. But let me go back to how we started this little journey this morning. I don't understand why God didn't give us 15 saviors. I don't understand why he didn't make 100 paths back to him. But according to his word, he made one path. And I got to tell you, I don't even understand why he did that. The question shouldn't be, is there a whole bunch of ways? Or how come I can't get back to God how I want to? The question is, why did he even do that for us? Why didn't he eliminate humanity from the face of the earth? Am I going to be the one who stands before God someday eternally and say, you know what, God? I just really didn't like that church Jesus way. Why didn't you let me come to you another way? The real question is, why did he even send Christ for us? Can I see your box? Ryan went on a Black Friday sale and he bought himself a present. Now, can I see the present? I won't drop it. I won't break it. I promise. Six thousand seven hundred and eighty-five pieces of Legos. I don't know if that's a promise or a curse, brother. I'm here to tell you, but he. <laughs> This gift sold out in 10 hours, Black Friday. After 10 hours, you couldn't get one. You think that's a gift? That's a gift. Why would you, why would you get that for someone? Why would you give that? Why would you do it? It's because you love somebody, right? Here's a question I have. Why would God? This is a gift. This, is, this isn't a gift. Jesus is the gift. Jesus is the one who gives us eternal life. He's the only way to God. We want 15 different ways. We want to be able to do it our way. I can tell you, every time humanity, every time humanity has tried to get to God their way, they've screwed it up. Every single time. Without fail. It's a great gift. That's a great gift. Somebody's going to get a great gift. You know what? The greatest gift is not that. The greatest gift is not that. The greatest gift came in a manger. The greatest gift was the only way that we could get back to God. And he had to give his life. He had to sacrifice. We ask the wrong question. The question is, how come there's not other ways to get to God? The real question is, God, why did you give us a gift at all? And the answer is this. Because he loved 
you and I, and he loved humanity so much that he was willing to give his only son that you and I might have eternal life. End of story. That's it. One way. Pastor, what does that have to do with Christmas? Everything. Everything. Jesus is the keystone. Everything. He was born to give us life. Death came through one man. Life came through one man. The man Jesus Christ. That's where it came from. Amen? God, I thank you for each person here today. I pray that we walk away recognizing the reason we get so carried away at times, God, is because we just don't know what your word says. But your word is really, really clear that there is one way. It's not me being arrogant. It's Jesus speaking the truth. (laughs) I think of what the old... The old guy said one time when he said, well, that's bragging. He said, it ain't bragging if you can back it up. Jesus is the only one who can back it up. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. He was actually crucified and brought back to life. He's been dead and came back alive. That is our only hope is through him. God, I pray that you would anchor that in our souls that we would recognize it's not about how many ways, but it's about why would God do it at all? And the answer is because he loves us. He loves us. For that, God, for that we worship you. Barry, I'm going to put you on the spot. Could you stand up and just lead us in amazing grace? Let's all stand up. How sweet. It is by you and it is through you. All things have been made by you. You've provided for us the way, the truth, and the life. You've provided for us a path that leads back to you. God, I pray today that we could settle in our hearts that there is one way, and that one way is through Jesus Christ. There is one hope. That one hope is in Jesus Christ. There is one body, one family, one church. It's not about us. It's about your body, your family, your church. God, we want to accept and walk in that truth. I help us today to recognize the greatest gift ever given to humanity is not a robot, it's not a car, it's not a tree, it's not a house. The greatest gift that's ever been given to humanity was the life of Jesus Christ to pay for our sins. He is our hope, he is our life, he is our peace. Anchor that in our hearts and our souls today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Recognize that Jesus is the way.